All right, cowbell time. February. February 18th, Thursday. And it's time for the low rider. Here's Rigo. It is the low rider indeed. Uh, I'll tell you what, Todd. I've got uh, just dawned on me and I had to chuckle. I don't know. You know, you don't realize it. I don't think anybody ever does when you get older, when you turn into the old coot. Yeah. I'm afraid I'm turning into the old coot. I can't believe it. I feel young. I feel vital. But I, st- I got coot tendencies. <laughs> Yesterday, you've been over our house. We got the downstairs. You go downstairs. There's a big, long partition as you go down. It's like a banister, but it's got a level spot on top of it. And occasionally, one of our cats will jump up there and just kind of hang out. So I'm coming. The youngest cat, his name is Prince. But I call him Mung, and a lot of variations of Mung, like Mungy, Mungstered, you know, Mungiola. That's I mean, the mean one, right? No, no, that's the nice one. That's, that's the m- nice one. Mungy's the male, and he's a, he's a good boy. The female, who's, who's the a other little, little wench? Yeah, doesn't. But the cat's very loving. But the two people in the entire world. Coco and Hannah, my two daughters. Well, After that, you go in there. You've been oh, there. Oh, that cat turned on me twice. You come back, you're bleeding. Yes. <laughs> you come back, you come back bleeding. That ain't the same cat. So there he is, Mungie, sitting up there on top of this. And I walk up, and I'm, and I'm kind of, you know, getting in his face. And he's like, and so all of a sudden, now, now i got to set this up. Coco is in the guest bedroom, which is right, and the door was open. She usually keeps it closed because she's got, she's at home for school now. So she's in there, and it's after school, so I'm thinking, well, you know, the door's open. I'm thinking, she's not even in there. She's got to be upstairs. Class is out. But she's, she's actually on a, this choral class that she, you know, it's not a class really, but, you know, singing group and all that. And everybody's telling how they got into singing and why they love to sing and all okay. this stuff. Everybody's going around. So it was Coco. Is she a freshman or sophomore? She's sophomore. So it was her turn to explain, you know, how she, her love of music and how she started playing the piano in the second grade, and then that led to singing. And so she's telling her story, and it didn't too long, and I got, and I got Mungie right there in my face, and I go, Mungie! And, you know, I probably said it a little bit louder than that, and then I said it again. I go, Mungie, the meatloaf! <laughs> like, you know, from Wedding Crashers. No, it wasn't Wedding Crashers. It was... Um, what, oh, it was Wedding it Crashers. It was Wedding Crashers. Yeah, Wedding Crashers. With you know, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Yeah, he's the one who goes, Ma, the meatloaf. Meatloaf. <laughs> so, Your voice does tend to carry. Yeah, and so, you know, Coco comes running out, you know, and but she she had to wrap it up real quick. So, and that's why I, after hears me so the second time. So she's on a live Zoom call exactly. with her. My voice, it, it, everybody's hearing, the <laughs> <a> meatloaf. <laughs> And she comes out, she's laughing because, you know, everybody's going, what, what, what is this? You're telling us all this. We got Mungy the meatloaf in the background. So that's when I realized I'm going, I don't, you know how, and that's what, that's what, I think that's how you become an old coot, is you really have no things around you you're oblivious to. I had, of course, in my defense, I didn't really know that she was in there. I didn't know the door was open. I was pretty close. I mean, I could have like checked, but I didn't. That's what I'm saying. I think I'm on the borderline there, where you just got you just do what you do, and you know you don't really care what happens. You like older you get, you know, flatulence, that ain't a problem. <laughs> you know, you ever notice when you get around really old people, they just crack they, back. Yeah, that is true. They just crack back. Yeah, they don't it, even bat an eye. No, it, it's like we don't care anymore. We're less tolerant <laughs> about everything and everybody. I, is it where you just get so easy going that there ain't? <laughs> 
I mean, I gotta admit though, I've seen some, I've seen some older folks though that still got plenty of feisty in them. You know what I'm saying? They'll still, they'll still. You want a piece of me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, They'll they'll still. In fact, my dad was that guy, all the way down to. I think finally in the end, when he did turn into meatloaf, that uh, (laughs) that uh, there was no feist left. I remember one of the last times I was with him, uh, and he had dementia pretty bad. And I have to say this: it's a very frustrating disease. Uh, And I think you know, I don't know for the participant or the person with dementia how frustrating it is. I'm sure it is in the beginning, but after you get finally lost in it, you know, I would guess. I would guess it's like you know, just being on an acid trip or whatever. Yeah, that doesn't scare you, I guess. It's just like you know, whatever's you make out of it, whatever you want. But I remember the last time I ever saw my dad, he uh, he he'd always like to you know pull a fast one on everybody. So he goes, hey. I got a I got a barrel of whiskey hid around here, and and I know where it is, but of course there was no barrel of whiskey, <laughs> wasn't even close to a barrel of whiskey. He didn't have a bottle of whiskey, <laughs> and I had my friend Dwayne. You've heard me talk about Dwayne before. He was with me. He drove me up there. I said, "Oh," I said. So I, my point is, is that, in a way, if you play along with that, it actually becomes kind of fun. It's almost like for me, it was like being in an acting class. You were doing a little improv, yeah, see because, which way he's going to go. Well, because like with, my, with I had I had Hannah, my oldest daughter, with me, and uh, you know he when I first get there, he goes, "Who's that?" And I said, "Oh, that's that's Coco, your granddaughter." And he goes, "Oh, okay." And you know, typical of people with dementia and or Alzheimer's, I don't think he was ever officially a, a diagnosed with Alzheimer's, uh, but he, literally thirty seconds, a minute later, he goes, "Who's that?" And I explained again, "That's Coco. That's you know." My daughter, your granddaughter. I mean, that's Hannah. I'm starting to get it. <laughs> is this contagious? It might be. Well, it is kind of hereditary. Uh, and so another, I say it again, and then th- give it another two minutes. Now, who's that? Yeah. And so then I go, that's Hannah, your granddaughter. And so the fourth time, who's that? I said, that's my wife. And he goes, and same thing. He goes, oh, okay. I mean, just didn't bat an eye. But anyway, back to the whiskey. To give you an idea how it's set. So I'm just, you finally got to go with it. If you can't, that, that's a frustrating part. When you keep trying to set somebody straight, I mean, for me, I, I got too frustrated. Right. So I just decided to go with the flow. And actually, and it actually became quite, like I told you, when he said, I, you know, he gave me that look like he always used to be like, hey, I know something you don't know. And, and I got a barrel of whiskey and I hit it. You don't know where it is. And I went, until I play along. And I go, oh, really? I said, oh, that that barrel of whiskey that Dwayne and I found just, you know, like a day ago? No, we found that barrel of whiskey pot. And it was just like. uh. Now you're on a journey, man. Now you're you're tailing a tail. And it is a little improv. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And believe me, for him, it was like. Oh, so you found a barrel of whiskey. I mean, it was, well, he was it. into it. Yeah, if, if you don't understand and you're correcting and you're frustrated, then you don't understand the disease and what's going on because they're not doing this intentionally. Exactly, exactly. And they don't, I don't, in other words, I don't know right or wrong. I have no idea. I, know, I didn't go to a doctor and didn't ask him, you know, basically, or a psychologist, whoever it may be, to say, well, how, when you're around somebody who has this, you know how do you how do you deal with it? Because it is. I mean, there's a lot of people that have to deal with this situation, and I found that I, I don't find that it's disrespectful because really it actually is something that you're dealing with somebody who has no clue of what's right. going on, and it actually becomes fun. 
I mean, I, that sounds – somebody could take that the wrong way. But if you're sitting there constantly telling people who so-and-so is, if you'll have more fun, at least I did, if you just make stuff up. And it'll actually add to the experience. Right. And, you you know, as opposed to the frustration you go through when you keep reminding somebody, no, that's so-and-so. Keep correcting. When, exactly. And they, it's not registering anyway, so right. might try something else. Right. That's what I'm saying. You know, you keep throwing a fastball and they knock it out of the park, maybe try a curve. Well, that's maybe the hideous nature of the disease is uh, <laughs> it's, it, and it's bizarre how fast it can happen. Yeah. And to anybody, let's hope that they continue with a lot of research to find some cure because it's, I agree. it's devastating. Well, and I'm going to tell you something, Todd, you know, based on it's something you I don't say I wake up with it every day, but I'm telling you, every time I can't remember something, I you have to CTE and all this stuff. And 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 you see, you know, the ravages of how people that used to know and or people you read about people that, you know, actors or whatever, and all of a sudden they disappear and then you start reading a little bit about them you find out that they you know they ended up with dementia or, well your or line Alzheimer's. of work in particular and and yeah and 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 that's why the cte and the head injuries is about as probably the worst occupation you could have yeah, which is so. why unfortunately the body of work in 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 of, of players in the 50s 60s 70s and 80s now and and you, you have you be able to look backwards and see how many individuals have been affected by this mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Unfortunately, Vincent Jackson, of uh, yeah. the great wide receiver who We're looks like he, in the hotel. Yeah. Right? And it looks like uh, he took his own life. And, Is that and, what they're thinking it, now? Yeah. And unfortunately, you see more and more of this. And, you know, he young man, I believe, is only 38 He'd years old. He's been in there since January 11th, I think I read right. it yesterday. So right. he just kind of walled himself off and. And so, you know, what was the the, uh, they have they have not said that they have not they have not released that part of it, uh, but they Mm -hmm. don't expect to, you know, to find any foul play or or anything otherwise. So and, uh, you know, I've known some other players that have dealt with this that I've had long talks with about that, uh, you know, guys in their in their 50s, even in their 40s and how pervasive it is. So let's hopefully that it's every you know, literally it's one day at a time. I hate to say it like that old that old sitcom. There's, uh, you get up, you know, I'm starting to understand, I don't know who, which one said it, they say crazy horse, but you know, some famous Native American chief said something like, today is a good day to die. Right. They said that, that crazy horse said that when he was running back before, the, up the when he was whipping him up to, to take Custer and show, and teach him a lesson out there at the little big horn. That's pretty good. That's pretty good pregame speech. It, it, it is a pretty good, because when you think about it, you wake up, you never know when you're going to get the call. You just never know. Custer did not just, you know, he did he, he did not rally the troops in the in the similar spirit. Well, he there was a little secret that he forgot <laughs> to find out. He thought that there was just a bunch of, you know, of children and I guess squaws or lady lady Native Americans. I don't think they call them lady Native Americans. But anyway, I don't want to be, you know, whatever that is, uh, politically incorrect here. He just thought that was, and you know, just a few Braves or whatever. That turned out there's about three or four thousand Braves. Missed it <laughs> by. They, <laughs> and they were down 4, there. They were down there, like in uh, what do you call it, uh, gangs in New York. <laughs> they were down there sharpening all their tools of war, getting ready. They're going, you know, cracking their knuckles and going warming up and going, come on, come on, blue coats, let's get this thing going. We're, we're, we, we, there, we was gotta, a, there was a moment in there where they, I guess it was Ben Teen, Ben Teen, one. It was either Ben Teen. 
or uh, who was the other one? Uh, he was one of the Captain Benteen, and there was another guy. I can't think of his name right now. But they went down from up on a bluff and came down into the river bottom, and that's where they, the first engagement took place. And uh, and then Custer was circling, making a circle where I guess he was going to come in for the coup de gras once they got everybody under control. And for a while down there, and I forget the other one, oh, Fenton. Fenton? What was his name? Fetterman. I think it was Fetterman. He was to circle around way back behind him and cut off any kind of a retreat. So they were going to, I don't know if it's a pincer move. I'm not Mr. War College here. But anyway, they get down there, and then the very first skirmish, I mean, it was touch and go. That they didn't really know, you know, you could, uh, blue coats, you know, six, uh, Native Americans, three. Oh, no, check that. Native American just scored a touchdown. They're up to So this straight. really was this original Dallas, Washington. <laughs> it really was the original <laughs> Dallas, Washington. So in the first quarter. And so, you know, they're going back and back and forth. And I guess that's when that's when Crazy Horse says, we need a little extra. i got to get him to reach down and get that little bit extra that everybody has. And that's when he goes, he's riding back and forth. In the middle of the skirmish, is what this I was told by, because I went to, I happened to be on vacation and we drove in there to actually saw the oh, hill. Wow. They've got all the grave markers and all that where all where everybody fell on the side of the hill, and then they give the uh, park service, you know, they got and they tell you the story of how it all happened that day. And so I'm kind of reciting all of this from from memory, which was about 20 some years ago. But anyway, they you know where was I on the story the. Uh, They've, they've got it going back and forth. Custer. He's whipping them up. Uh, he, crazy horse. He gets out in the middle and supposedly rides back and forth. And, you know, nobody can even shoot hit his horse. This is, but then sometimes they always thought that he was from up above, like he was the Messiah, the, the Native American Messiah. And he tells them today's a good day to die. And like I said, I'm not sure that that, but that's what the Park Service said. And all of a sudden, it was like everybody went <laughs> into overdrive and just, you know, sent Benteen. I think it was Benteen kicked his butt and went up the hill, and then they just came around and crushed, crushed the Custer out. That was it. It was over with. They did a hell of a job. Now, now I've, I get goosebumps telling that story because they say back then, but this doesn't make any sense to me. It was in the wintertime. That's why they left. That's why they left the reservation. There was nothing to eat. You know, basically it was what what – that's what our government did back then. They yeah. discovered gold in the Black Hills, and that was reservation land. And then all of a sudden, they wanted to go in there and pan the gold. And so they kind of kicked the Native Americans out. And Sinbull said, well, we're going to starve. We do that. So he took off for Montana. And you'll be considered a hostile if you don't get back on that reservation by 4 o'clock this afternoon. Yeah. And it was wintertime, and there was all kinds of stuff going on. But yeah, anyway, big, big, that's our history lesson. That, that is. That, and that, that's always a tremendous story. I'd have to get out there and see that. That would be, that would be fascinating. It is. And I've been by it twice uh, when I was doing the, you know, the uh, Rigo on the Range. Went, and it's just like something you – it's hard to appreciate. But you know what? When you think about it, Todd, it's, it's stunning because I think that was like an 1860 – no, 1873 or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. You think about it. That's not that long ago. No. It's not that long ago. <laughs> no, really. I always do this thing with my age where I go as old as I am, go back to your birth and go back mm -hmm. that far. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gives you, a, it gives you an appreciation where you – depends on how you look at things. I mean, it depends on the day. Some days I feel like, well, I'm 71. That's, that's a long time. And then sometimes I go, God, it just seems like I was pooping in my diaper. You know, it's like <laughs> – what happened here? I, I, it's I, kind I, of the circle of life. We're all going to be pooping in diapers again. <laughs> that's another good point. Excellent point. I think that that's basically telling me I got to get some work because I have too much free time. <laughs> well, anyway, what about this weather? What's going on with that? Well, I, you know, it is winter. 
It is. It is. Well, we it are, is winter, but we I mean, are in the middle. I, I have to say this. I think they set a record, and I haven't seen. And I haven't been able to talk to my younger brother. Do you realize yesterday morning in Centralia, Kansas? Guess how cold it was. Five degrees. Minus twenty six degrees. Whoa! Minus twenty. I don't see the big guy uh, camping out on the farm. It's funny you should say that. I thought to myself. I think my sleeping bag good down to around. Now that would be, I guess, out under the stars, maybe, to about. And I've camped where it was like 15, 10, 15. Below or above? No, 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 above. So I'm thinking minus 26. I might have had to go. I think I got to go get in the car and start yeah, the car and hope I mean, the car started. Yeah, I mean you're talking hypothermia and, and and some bad bad stuff if you're out exposed in those type of. I don't care what kind of. <laughs> Just say it. Oh, no, no, no. There's stuff you could easily, I don't say easily, but I don't think that'd be anything to f- get too worked up about. I don't know. But then like I said, I would always go, hey, I'm cold as hell. I'm going to keep I'm the not car running just out. in case. He's, oh, wait a second. What's that? Oh, my nose just fell off. Maybe I better go into town <laughs> wait, and get warm up. Why is my I'll Take my nose frozen. with me. Take my nose and these three fingers. Oh, I got three fingers laying over there. It is cold out here, folks. Anyway, Todd, well, we haven't had the super duper bitter cold that no. I mean, you know, and and, and what's the, happening the in Texas on. is just extraordinary and sad. And we hope that that things start turning around there. But that's hard to imagine a state like Texas, oh. and and the loss of power for the length of time. And boy, there are going to be a lot of folks. You know what they had? They had ice storm first. Yeah, then they got that's the worst. Th- oh. Let me tell you, my friend Tom, you know, he's got a place down there just north of uh, San Antonio. He can't get up his driveway but because they got ice first and they got snow on top of the ice. Well, what's that? The snow is like insulation, so the ice is not going to melt. Yeah. And if it's long as it stays overcast, it's going to stay that way. There's nothing you can do. I mean, maybe it. out on the roads you can scrape some of that. But what I've seen down there, it is just upside down. Dallas, I think, yesterday morning or the day before, ate above zero. And they're not zero. equipped for that's, that because they insane. rarely. You know, We're not equipped for weather like that. If you recall, John, it was the Super Bowl in Dallas. No, they never had a Super Bowl. Oh yeah, yes, the last they did. one. You're I mean, right. That, you're right. The, yeah, the last right. one with the new stadium. You're right. And it was terrible. Remember the ice storms came in there, and and it, it was a disastrous week because they're not equipped to handle this. Well, you know, I, I, you know what? I got to say this. Now, I, I would guess you get places like Buffalo and St. Paul, and you know the oh, northern yeah. states. Even ice, probably. But, you know, I'm thinking, too, I don't think they really see a lot of ice up there. As a rule, they get snow for whatever reason. You get down into the – you get into these climbs where it's kind of half, you know – Well, that's out. us. We're, exactly. on the cu- we're on the cusp. Exactly. And this is where I think people are the most vulnerable for ice, I think, more often than not. I mean, even out in Kansas, I remember growing up years ago that, you know, that you'd get an ice storm every once in a while. They're devastating to trees, telephone lines, or, you know, what do you call it, power lines and all that stuff. That ice builds up, gets a little wind going. Next thing you know, you got poles down, you got wires down. Trees, for sure, breaking branches and all that stuff. Well, let's take a trip out west in Ashburn, and uh, let's 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 catch up a little bit on what's been happening. Yeah, let's do that with the Washington football team because it's never a dull moment. Uh, you know, used to be winning in the off season with Bruce Allen, right? That was his famous legendary quote. Yeah, it was Bruce. We're winning. So I'll, I'll do. I'm going to throw out some some different tidbits and stuff and get your reaction to because. Uh, like I said, it's the middle of February here. Super Bowl is just, you know, 10 Two days. Weeks. Yeah, 10 days ago. Two right? weeks in our So uh, the NFL investigation uh, that has been dragged out for forever now is a— uh, Of the franchise? On the franchise in which the uh, 
former cheerleaders, you know, they have, they have now reached a settlement with the team undisclosed. And this is going to be a big deal because there was uh, 15 to 25 different cheerleaders that um, – had gone after the team for these lewd videos that were supposedly surreptitiously videotaped. And and that was led by Gloria Allred and another big-time attorney. And so that was announced last week by and the And she's wa- like a Me Too type oh, of Oh, yeah. You, you know, Gloria Allred's holding a press conference. You don't want to be on the other end of that, which she is notorious for. So that was settled. Uh, the terms not disclosed. Everybody's zipping it up, zipping it up. Yeah. So along with that, you've got uh, Roger Goodell. And I did not see this until I did some more research uh, yesterday. Goodell made this statement. Uh, on This was reported uh, February 10th, a week ago, uh, from John Kime of ESPN. And Goodell said that... Uh, the investigation headed by Beth Wilkinson is nearing the completion. And he then went on to say, and this is very telling, quote, to me, the important thing in the context of this is that the Washington Football Club has made a lot of changes already. Dan and Tanya are going to be done making those changes for the football club. It's good to see that, but I expect that Beth's recommendations will be something that will be added to that. So, what are you reading into it? So I got no I'm, idea what he's saying other than he's the fact saying that business everything usual. that is right in front of our face with all of the hirings, right? It's give us your minorities, give us your women, give us anybody that we may have offended in all the errors of our ways in the past. We've got we've got new HR. We've got we've got new people across mm-hmm. the board. We, they announced last week that they are pausing the cheerleading program. They are pausing the marching So there will be no band. more cheerleaders next they, fall. Well, they're pausing it, whatever that means, and that they're going to reevaluate everything. Um, it's all of these moves that we have seen. They hired their fourth player personnel person that was announced. In uh gentleman's name is it's Bill Polian's son, Chris Polian. Now, he is the third former GM, third former GM that they now have in place. Between he was a GM somewhere? Yes, he was. Dad was. He was. Uh, let's see. He first was the, uh, he first entered the NFL in 94 as a personnel assistant with Carolina. Uh, and then he was, uh, he served as a GM for the Indianapolis Colts from 2009 to 2011. Really? He was the head guy? Yep. Okay, so that's three GMs now with Marty Harney, Martin mm-hmm. Mayhew, Polian, and Eric Stokes, who was the former director of pro personnel. He is the senior director of player personnel. Polian took Stokes's job. So now you got four cooks. You got four cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. It seems like they actually <clears throat> they have more coaches and player guys than they do players. Well, you know what I'm saying? It, that, that it's like, who's going to, who makes it? And yet, I guess Ron Rivera is still in charge of everything. But let me complete, let's go to, okay. in the totality of it all, okay. John, because with all these moving parts, the team name, so they did what they did at last year that was forced. That was driven mostly, though, by, I believe, Fred Smith and uh, and maybe well, all the sponsors. Huh? And yeah, and, and all the sponsors between, you know, they flat out said, from Change the Nike name or we're to FedEx up. to all of them, they all ganged up and said, 
that or else. So it wasn't out of any goodwill or otherwise. No, no, clearly it wasn't. You've got the one sexual harassment lawsuit that was settled. That, years ago. That what, years 2010? ago. Years ago that, uh, you know, it's again, it's sealed. And well, let me say this now, and which kind of interesting, and I don't know which way, you know, that was a le- I think it was 2010 is when that incident. Right around there. It's in that time. So period. You're, you're talking close to a decade ago. Right. So I don't know if you're sitting there and you're Roger Goodell and you're looking at, and let's say it comes back and all everything. They find out that this was serious sexual. Uh, I don't want to say assault, but harassment. harassment. Um, and this is the same thing that caused the Carolina Pan- uh, Carolina Panthers franchise to come up for sale. Jerry Richardson was accused of this in his off, but I guess his was certainly was like it was recent. It wasn't something that was you know like I don't know actually. I so I shouldn't say that. I'm I'm just guessing that that's what it was. But I'm wondering. Is this where you let somebody, because you've made all these other changes, in other words, that's where ultimately, is there a chance that the franchise could be up for sale, basically, is what we're getting, where, where, where this thing could have been headed, or possibly is, or possibly well, not? Well, with all these satellites out here orbiting that, that, I'm, that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pointing out to you, that are real, that are alive, that are in play, that have been in play, that continue to be mm-hmm. in play, haven't even got to probably the biggest yet, which is... The minority partners that own forty percent of the team, yes, and Dwight Shar, uh, Rothman, and your guy Fred Smith, and their hostile takeover or attempt, if you will, and the nastiness that has come with that, and what's being played out. So this is at the highest levels of the league, and it's an embarrassment for the league, and it's the last thing the league wants. But so we haven't talked about anything on the field. At all, with the exception with the front office, which again, so complete makeover, complete last makeover. Fall. So all of this is the window dressing for the ownership to continue to own this franchise. In my opinion, that the, these well, were all, they, they were they were they were on double secret probation. Yes. 21, 22 years of this is what we are. This is what we got. Forget the product on the field, well, off the field, we're definitely not winning. And possibly illegal behavior and otherwise. Well, to me, there's a couple things going on here. One is, is this, is it really all? I mean, if you're a fan, you know, I would guess. And now this is what's strange. I have to believe the fans that tuned in during my era and my and my era ended in '85, but the golden years lasted until the early '90s. You know, Call it '93 with, with Gibbs's first go around here. And that was the end of it. You know, then Norv Turner came in for what seven, eight years. Well, Pettibone and then Norv and then yeah. But it basically yeah. Let's but, call but, let's call it. It was about a ten, eleven year run, eighty two to ninety three. Exactly, and well, yeah, it was about a ten year run there, and that's what people remember. Most of the people that were fans back then, I mean, certainly, when you look at the younger kids, you know, that's forty years ago. So if you were a teenager, you're sixty years old now. Somebody that really right. was you were into, you're a good sixty. You know, give a little bit more. We'll say sixty five. Maybe, you, you know, you could go down to 40, but I don't know because you see the different marketing strategies, the NFL clearly going after more women nowadays. I mean, I think that's in their, their demo, the demographic 100 percent and, you know, and the younger crowd, the millennials and all that. So I guess what I'm saying is that the people that were fans of the team when they were, you know, by the old name that. I, I think a lot of those fans have matriculated on down and have gone. And they know that. And, 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 exactly. And, and you and I know this, doing this for the length of time, because you've never 
really not broadcast. I mean, you've been a, you've been loosely mm-hmm. associated with broadcasting since your 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 playing days, right? Well, even yeah, even when I was playing, I had the John Riggins show at, on uh, Channel Seven, yeah, ABC. And so and so with that, and they know that they it, listen. The league is the the slickest Madison Avenue researched, and that's why you know. Look, Todd, I don't mean to cut you off, but you got to, I mean, I've always looked at it like this. Now, not everybody does, but it's entertainment. Right. It's entertainment, plain and simple. And it's television. You're in the television industry, which is not a far stretch from Hollywood. It all gravitates around things. The same people that do Hollywood and promote movies and all this stuff and, you know, right. and the agents that are with the star, it's the same thing over here. It, what did, I think there was a little bit more separation, but I think the waters have been muddied so much they've all run together where it's the same medium. It, it Like I said, it's entertainment. And clearly, you know, the NFL's got some of the best marketing people going in the country as far as how to promote their product, what they need. And I'm guessing, I don't know, because it's hard for me to think that way because I am an old coot. But, you know, if you're an up-and-comer, you know what the younger guy wants. And all these changes are made, you know, with the diversity hiring, you know, with men, you know, with women and, of course, you know, the other diversities, uh, ethnic groups that you've got hired here. Clearly, this is a play that now, from out of nowhere, from basically, you know, you're turning a, 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 a sow's ear into a silk purse because the image of this team was, and this is what the NFL sells, and this is though where the rubber hits the road. You do all this stuff, you spiff it all up, you give it a makeover, but you still have to win on the foot. I mean, right. if you're a fan, right. the actual, I really honestly don't believe that I could be wrong about this. I have no idea. But a fan that enjoys the franchise, and they want to see their team win. And I honestly, I don't know. And, and you hear all the talk of, you know, they need more diversity in the NFL. Uh, but I'm thinking, well, if that brings, if winning. That brings winning, but without winning, you have nothing. And so that's what I'm saying where this is, like you said, I think, more of an, op- more of an effort to say, hey, look, you know, we had it wrong without saying we had it wrong. And we've made a lot of serious changes here. Give us one more chance. But like I say, the pressure then is what's going to happen down on the field. But this is to save the franchise from going someplace else. I'm guessing that's what this is all about. That's where I agree with you on a number of points relative to the NFL realize this isn't a 40-plus audience anymore. That ship has sailed. They are. They're getting old. They're dying. They're, the future is younger. Yep. It's digital. Kids aren't playing football the same way, so they, they have got, you know, women are a big part of this, and it has been an initiative there for years, and you're seeing the results of that. Every year, women's uh, viewership is 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 going up, and that's that's part of their future. And So they got to get rid of the spandex, the pants. <laughs> Because it's just like the cheerleaders. The, the, the players are sex objects. If you're getting, you know, just, just, a, little, just a little aside, it's, they got to start wearing stuff like the NBA wears, the baggy pants down to their knees. Well, the NBA, everybody's going short again. They're coming they're, back. They're up. coming back. They're coming Isn't back. Isn't it weird? And I'm they're sure sideburns are coming back. Afros are coming back. What the heck? Right yeah, on. Everything go old it. is new again. Hey, I still. Yeah. I just had long hair. I don't think I really ever had <laughs> afro. So the bottom line is. Uh, State of flux, and it's going to be interesting because they, the NFL is going to I, – I, they're going to punish them. I, I cannot imagine a scenario where that because the outcry is there. Okay, i got to stop the drum there. beats are loud enough. So the, how does the NFL punish them? Fine them? Fine them and take away draft picks. 
That defeats the purpose. That's the part I don't get. We're not here to we're not here to reward you or make it even or fair. We a punishment. We're going to take something away from you. Yeah, I get that, Todd. But I don't see you take draft picks away and all of a sudden it makes it harder for them to win. If they don't win, they go back That's into the same your old cesspool. Punishment. And I don't listen. So wait a second. So how does that? So how does that translate then? If you're a fan. I'm thinking if you're a fan, you'd almost say, well, why don't we just make the punishment you get rid of the owner and let's start anew and you don't take away any draft picks. How about that? Because that gives us a better shot at winning because that's what this is all about. They've already made what they should have done, so that's their punishment. They put everything in place to make it nice for everybody to be, you know, for the optical part of it. But let's, you know, to create the illusion, but let's just eliminate that. Bring in a new owner and start, a, and don't take away any draft pick. I mean, if you ask the fans, which way, which way would they go? Oh, there'd be a ticker tape parade. Are you kidding? If, I mean, <laughs> it was Roger Goodell, they'd have a statue of him downtown. Yeah, of course, they'd, they'd get whatever. They'd name the stadium. Is after there something him. that Dupont Circle would there be a statue about a forty-foot statue of Roger Goodell? Maybe on a horse. You know? <laughs> exactly on a there'd horse. Be, of there'd course. be a ticker tape parade. So I'm just, they I'm could, just then saying, they could stiff the horse and no. They sniff him and the horse that he rode in on. Isn't that the old? Yeah. And now you've, uh, okay, so you've got all that, all the satellites in orbit over here. And the biggest part with Dwight Shar, Fred Smith, and Mr. Rothman, they're not punks, okay? These are, these are, these and they've are got, some And serious... they've got a junkyard dog that they, I think they've got him in quarantine over in Baltimore. <laughs> not because of COVID, because of other things that well, he may have, he may have caught. I, the, the, the soap opera is far from over. And and so now let's go. Now let's go. Uh, I guess ultimately this is on the field. And Jeremy Fowler of uh, ESPN he now reports that you know that Alex Smith wants to play. I know. And realizes that his ability to play probably does not include Washington for where they are as a franchise. And uh, you know he's going to be 37 in less than three months. 37. I don't know. I was riding over here thinking about that, and I don't. I don't want to criticize Alex Smith because you know, obviously, he showed a lot of game moxie, whatever you want to call it. You know, other people would say he showed a lot of stupidity. It depends on which camp that you're in. I prefer not to tell you what I think, really down deep, uh, because you don't know. Everybody's different. I know, if had it been me, I'd have, I, my cleats would have been hung up two years ago when the leg was snapped and I started going to that. I mean, you know, they're sawing on my leg constantly. I'm going, I don't think I need to be. Which operation, number 11 or 12? Because he had 17 or 18. I think number two would have been where I would have logged in and said, basically when somebody came in and said, you know, they they still got to pay you $71 million. And I go, okay, 71 and uh, let's see, 71 and $240 million, that's $310 million. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I don't. I think I'm good. Hey, NFL, thank you very much. I've got a quarter of a billion dollars to play with for the rest of my life. I'm going to be fine. Why do people do this? I, I just don't. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. Maybe it's, but it can't be the locker room. Although that's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I've kind of quit drinking, and I, I, I'm afraid that's a sign I might be growing up, which I'm going. <laughs> I am 71. I don't. Is that good? Or is this a bad thing? I can't tell. But clearly, Alex. I, the, what do you hope to accomplish? Where do you hope to go? And this, you 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 hope, uh, you know, against fate probably that 
you know, that somebody kind of comes to their senses, if you will. How can he, how can he help a team? Does he just want to be around a team? My God, you're young. You got a young family. You got, you know, you got all this money that, you know, obviously he's a sharp guy. And I'm sure that, you know, he doesn't need the money, I'm guessing. And I could be wrong about that. Mark Brunel, he went belly up, and this guy made tens of millions of dollars. We don't know that. Is that a possibility? If if that's a possibility, okay, i got to shut up. But if that's not, and I don't think it is, I would guess it's not, I I just got to go, what are you trying to prove? Because when you came back last year, you weren't very good. You really weren't. And I think no. I'm not saying that he's one of those guys that never got in the right situation at the right time because I think he's a decent quarterback and he could have had a lot more success than his, his resume will ever show. Uh, but at the same time, he didn't. And now he's at the end. And now you're holding on, just grasping onto something. And it's, and it's slowly pulling away from you, like holding onto somebody's leg as they, you know, as Don McNeil did to me, you know, onto the jersey, just, and it's slipping away and you're not going to be able to wrestle it down. I, I just don't get it because I don't see him ever on a team where he's going to be the guy that makes it happen They go to a Super Bowl. I mean, that's the one thing he doesn't have. He's never been in a championship game, I don't think, and, and, and has Johnny never gone has to no a Super Bowl. has no more mobility. He, I, I, that's not going to dramatically well, what, improve. Well, but my point is, though, okay, what's the upside? You don't need the money. Well, let's go, go, take that argument. So the only thing you're chasing is a ring. Well, the odds of you having anything to do with basically getting that ring – are pretty slim, pretty slim indeed. I just don't see 14 or 16 games and you get on a team where they can't protect the quarterback. You know, I just, I don't know. But it's you know what? You got to do what you got to do. It's a different type of hey, mindset. Dirty that, Harry. That, that we, dirty Harry. Man's got to do what a man's got to do. Well, this got my attention as part of this article, uh, just talking about, first off, hopefully, now that you've got three former GMs and another made guy in your personnel department, somebody's going to make a football decision and say, this is not good for our franchise and our football team. It's time to part company with Alex Smith. And as, as wonderful as last year's story was, this is a business. This is a business. And if we're serious about winning football games and what's in the best interest of our team, we got, we got, we got to move on and do our, do our thing. Well, here's where it really depends on how you view the game itself. Um, I mean, I have a little bit more of a, well, I would think, realistic view that it is entertainment, and they move on very quickly, and there is no love lost for yesterday's heroes, and that I, basically what I'm saying, they should have never got to the position where they were in to have to rely on Alex Smith this year at all. Right. They sh- that should have never happened, and I, and I think that there's, you know, at the same time, Alex Smith was willing to, to come out there and lay it on the line. And when you think about it, I said it's entertainment, didn't I? What makes a better Hollywood story than the guy coming back from all odds to come out and conquer? That was a story the NFL sold constantly. Not just they not did. just this team, but the NFL. And so and they can, you know, this they can play to the dedication and the, the love of the game and all this stuff, which in his case. I'm going to guess, I guess it has to be true, but I'm sitting here kind of going, Alex, did anybody tell you? They don't care. They just don't care. You're a great story to them, but but Alex is smarter than me. He probably knows all that and still says, yeah, but. It's back to exactly what you just said. And as much as we don't want to believe it or in denial, in the old school of it is blood and guts and leaving it all out in the field and love of the game and all that, it's not. 
and it's not. And, and to that point, John, when ESPN did their 30 for 30, and he was doing all the interviews and everything last year, and it, heroic and everything, and not taking anything away, but, but continue that theme, if you will. He then did the 60 Minutes interview in January, right? Mm-hmm. Another, and all these pieces are the, the traffic and everybody taking them in and, and, and that emotional you know, mm-hmm. feel sure. that, that and, and, it, and it is right. This, this is what caught my attention, and I did not see it, no, because this, as part of this article from Kime, is finally later in January on an appearance on the Rachel Ray Show, Alex Smith, an appearance on the Rachel Ray show. show. That's all you need to know. It's a cooking. It's it's kind of like an advanced version of Rigo on the Range, which is a cooking talk show. No, it's not. And and I I resent that. Yeah. <laughs> hey Rachel, this is a challenge. I'll come on the show. One dish. I'll come on the show. Hey, pick your poison. Oh, I don't do a souffle. I'm a little weak on souffles. Ah, come on. Hey, go have a life. You say souffles are off limits. So you say, don't make not me not really. I, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know where to begin. All I know is don't slam any doors with a souffle. Anyway, go ahead. I'm well, fine. he he goes well, on to say says saying that he got stronger. He got better. He feels like a kid Superman. again. He wants Superman. to play. And he's on the Rachel Ray show. Okay, so so you're doing the tour, and this is. You know, you've always talked about quarterbacks in a different type of mindset. Well, exactly. And, you know, he obviously – and I – you know what you know what come to mind while you were saying all this stuff? He's going to run for office. That's what this is all about. Has to be. You build up your brand as much as you can, and that's what exactly what you see going on. You know, I'm thinking – I'm putting myself in that situation. Me doing a 30 for 30? I don't think so. Now, if I got that kind of money, it's like, hey, but this is my mindset, okay? Right. It's right. like I get paid to play football. I don't need any – I don't do advertising. don't need any of that stuff. I don't think. Then again, who knows? You know, more money. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I could do okay. that. We're talking about what? Well, I get a million dollars for thirty seconds. I think I can handle that. My point being is that you know he's got he's a made man. So at this point in his career, t- still keeping the football saga going. You know, what? where else would this go? In other words, you build your brand up as much as you can, and that's through publicity. Get your name out there constantly, get, hearing your name. The next thing you know, you run for Congress or something. I, I mean, honestly, I think that that may be where this is headed. That or broadcasting, the other leading prevailing thought, and this makes too much sense, and people have already connected the dots in a big way, is for him to join Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville. They're going to have Trevor Lawrence. And for him, Urban Meyer was his coach. Oh, and that he comes wow, and grooms. He comes and grooms the young Trevor Lawrence. But as a player, or as a coach, as a player, coach. <laughs> so he's in uniform. It's kind but, of, but, it's, but it's, it gets down to what you, they, hey, what happens if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt? Somebody's got to go in and play. I don't think I want Alex Smith going into play. From what I saw this no. year, I really don't. No. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe the. I mean. In a perfect world, if he if he would be able to sit back like Tom Brady does, for whatever reason, and and not have any pressure on him, well, I don't think he's going to get that kind of protection, that kind of help down in Jacksonville, where he go. Yeah, but he's got Urban Meyer. But remember this: I'm 71, and you know, you bring up 37. He's a kid. His whole life is out ahead of him. I've never felt so good in my life. In fact, I'm going to have to go take a nap. Rigo out. <laughs>